Mike Urbans, and welcome to It's Your Water. I'm glad you found us. All our listeners use water filter cartridges. So many choices. Well, today I brought in a big gun who works for the filter cartridge market, and he works for a company called Filtration Parts. I invited him here because he taught me a lot about water filters. Really opened my eyes. I, I kind of was just hum de dum you know, who cares, water filters. I mean, you look at a cartridge and you say, yeah, so? They all kind of look the same, but Brandon is here to say otherwise. Hi, Brandon. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, yeah, man. Thanks for your time today. Brandon was uh, my temporary salesman at Calgon. <laughs> I call him temporary salesman. He had a background in carbon and then made the jump to uh, filtration parts in the cartridge industry because they're kind of tied together. Tell us about kind of how you got into the water treatment industry. Don't go too far back. We don't have much time, but you know what I mean, Brandon. Just give me a little bit of background. Listeners always like to know. So I've been on the market for around 12 years now, and the 12 years encompasses a lot of different facets of the industry. So actually, where I grew up was in Kentucky next to the, the carbon plant for Calgon. So that's actually where I got my start in carbon, worked in the labs there. Slowly kind of worked through the ranks at, at Calgon, was, you know, inside cells and did some product management kind of stuff and then got into outside cells. And that's where I met you, Mike, and, you know, covered a lot of different markets from industrial, food, just a variety of different things that you kind of get thrown at you for carbon markets. You know, my last, uh, I guess, assignment there was to cover the point of entry and point of use markets. So that's really where I, I got involved with the cartridge filters and re really saw some things in the market that, you know, I'm like, hey, we, we could improve on. So I, I met the company Filtration Parts whenever I was at Calgon and, and we, we teamed up. We worked very well together and then I just kind of changed shirts and, uh, you know, the, this is where I'm at now. And we're seeing some drastic improvement of products. I'm glad you made the switch because... It's really, honestly, it's opened my eyes to the water filter cartridge market. I dug a lot deeper with you because you had more of a passion for it. I kind of have questions for you. I don't kind of have questions. I do have questions for you. String wound versus pleated versus melt blown. I mean, I know we could take a long time here, but a lot of guys use these string wound. It looks like yarn wound up into a cartridge. Then pleated, of course, it looks like, uh, you know, almost like a car air filter, pleated. And then melt blown, which is the solid looking DGD, as we call the dual gradient, right? So just kind of give our listeners what you've told me, you know, good, the bad, and the ugly, like string wound versus pleated versus melt blown. The mic is yours. <laughs> No, so, you know, let, let's start with string wounds. You know, I would say string wounds is probably your most versatile filter out there. It goes into a lot of different markets. You can make it out of kind of anything you want. So, you know, there's cotton, nylon, rayon, polyester, polypropylene, fiberglass even. Um, but each one of those kind of have their own, you know, niche in the market. So, you know, cotton is for, let's say, really high temperatures. Uh, on rayon chemical resistance polyesters is for oil adsorbents you know so it, it's kind of it depends on your application as always but you know that that's really where strings have its 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 benefits you'll see string lounge out there that they claim one micron well there's no way 
all the strings are really, they're all the same diameter. So if you put like an air perm or how we test micron ratings for string welds, you're not going to really get anything under a 20 micron. So I, I promise if you check your filters, you know, if it's, you're not going to get a string wound that's really lower than 20 mic. So that's really its, it's, draw, its drawbacks. So that's the only bad thing about string wounds is you really just can't get that tight because you're laying these strings over the same diameter. Over and over and over. But it seems like a quote-unquote 5 micron in my hand and a 20 micron in my hand feels a little heavier. So they're tightly t- putting them a little tighter? Well, they're probably just putting more string on it. So that's where they might try to, to segregate it to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to put more string on it to create more of a torturous path, which in the end doesn't give you better micron rating. Maybe a little bit, but, you know, there's still a point of no return there. Yeah. One guy explained it to me. The strings can flex, too, with pressure and then kind of cough out whatever you're filtering. Oh, you bet. These are strings. You know, depending on what your strings are made of, they'll swell, they'll bend. Uh, you know, there's... They're strings at the end of the day, right? Yeah. Okay, so they do have their limitations in, in like a real world where just like one, you know, 20 micron. So Every string wound that I've tested has been really hard-pressed to, to surpass 20 micron from a, a efficiency standpoint. Okay. And then pleated, I guess you see the pleated, they're, they're like the, the tight type filters uh, for the sub-micron world, and I guess it depends on the material again. Correct. So we, we produce our own, we have a web line in-house where we'll make our own basically support layers, and then, you know, depending on how tight you want to go, we can calendar those together to make it super, super tight, or, you know, if you want to have a 50-micron pleat, we can do that too. Just depends on what you're, you're trying to achieve, right? So the one downside to pleat is, there's a lot that goes into pleats, right? You've got the support layers, depending on, you know, how tight you want it. So you might be putting three or four layers together and then calendaring it. And then you've got the plastisol end caps and you've got gaskets. Whereas, you know, string welds and melt welds, you really don't have to, you can do that knife edge seal in a lot of these cartridge housings. I've seen the double O rings on the pleats and they, they get really involved looking. It, it, exactly, you know, but the, there there's a place for it, right? You can get down to 0.2, 0.45 micron, you know, with pleats pretty easily. So, you know, if you're trying to get into sub-micron, 0.2, we can use a PTFE membrane and, and be able to take out endotoxins, right? That's where we primarily see that, that being used. But so, yeah, I mean, if you're looking for your Cadillac, you know, and you have to have a Cadillac, pleats are probably the way to go. Good, good. Now, melt blown is just what the name implies, right? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, you know, I'd never seen a melt blown line until I worked where I work now. And, uh, it's exactly like what the name entails. You're, you're melting polypropylene and you're blowing it onto a spinning rod. And that's how you create your, your, your melt blown. You know, it's just a, basically a thick layer of polypropylene that is literally blown onto a, a, a spinning rod. So, it's got a lot of different uh, benefits, you know, on the melt blown side. So one, you can knife edge seal it. The beautiful thing about melt blowns and how we do it, we're actually using three to four different dyes. And let me tell you why that's important is because, you know, the way you segregate micron rating is 
the particle or the, the string of polypropylene that you blow onto the spinning rod dictates your micron rating, right? So you think about it, a really small string or small, short, and you're blowing it at a relatively low velocity, it's going to stick to it. So that's going to be like your inner core of your melt blown. That's going to be your tightest portion. And as you're, you're, let's say you go to your second zone or your second extruder, you know, you want to get that particle a little bit bigger and then you blow it on there and then that creates a little bit of a differential, right? So now you've got a little bit of a bigger particle, a little bit of a looser filter and, you know, so on and so forth. So we can go up to four zones like that, which really give you the benefit of depth loading. We can say your DGD, your dual gradients, you know, that's two zones. We can do that all day. But we can also go technically quad zones, uh, which means if you start out at 50 micron, 20 micron, 5 micron, 1 micron, we can do that, right? And that's going to be the benefit of the melt blowns is, you know, just pure depth loading capacity. That's pretty cool. I mean, that's what really opened my geek eyes. You just picture this production. The, the, how you're doing this with these rods. I know you've invited me to come out there and I really would like to someday I will. And just to see how cool that production must be. And that is pretty neat. So yeah. Yeah. So it has its advantages, but your surface area is still, so you have the depth, but you won't have the collapsing of the strings of a string wound kind of. So that's why I guess they say they're the melt blones are so popular. Absolutely. The downside for melt blowns is, you know, it's made of polypropylene, so you do have a max temperature of around 180 degrees, you know, and exactly like what you were saying there, the surface area overall, it doesn't like the slimy kind of filmy kind of things because, again, it doesn't have that same surface area as a pleat. The surface area is pleated, so you, and like an accordion, if you cut one in half and then open the pleats, pull them side to side, that's your surface area, so it could be how many more times the outer surface area of a string wound or a melt blown, which is just the outside diameter. It's, it's pretty cool. A pleat, you know, for a two and a half by 10 is around five square feet. For one melt blown, it's probably less than one, right? That's your benefit. So if you run into something slimy or something like that, melt blown is probably not the way to go. Pleats or string wounds look there. But, you know, if this is just sediment filtration of different particle sizes, it's going to be really hard to beat melt blowns from, uh, you know, a performance standpoint just due to that depth floating. And the price. Oh, exactly. The knife edge seals, uh, very hard to beat. You know, and that's the other thing around about string wounds, too. You know, the price of string has gone up like fourfold in the past, you know, nine months, which is just nuts. So, you know, from a cost perspective, cost per performance, melt blowns very, very hard to beat. Wow. Now, moving right along into the GAC world, that was another fun thing that you turned me on to is I never knew how carbon blocks are made, never really cared. But until I met you through the carbon industry and we were together, we're going developing like the blocks because you can make a, a four inch diameter for big blues, four, it's a four and a half and up to six inch, right? You could, you have an extruder that can make custom sizes. Correct. Yeah. I mean, so we can make anything from a 1.25 diameter. So like your fridge filter size all the way up to our biggest one, which, you know, this is what we call the six inch, but it's a 5.6 inch diameter carbon block. 
with a 1.93 ID. So it's a, it's a massive block. You know, that, that's one thing that's just really drawn me to where I'm at now is because this is something that nobody else really has out there. Gotcha. Gotcha. Everybody else, we use the big blues and the two and a half by tens. How do you make a carbon block versus like loose GAC? We'll get into that, the, the advantages, but the basics of a carbon block manufacturer is what? Yeah, so there's a couple of different ways people make carbon blocks. You know, one is compression molding. That's not what we do, but, you know, compression molding, you basically pour a carbon and, and a little bit of plastic binder slurry into a, a mold, and then you put it in an oven, and, you know, you take it out, you cool it, and you got a carbon block. The other way is uh, there's a vacuum process. If you're familiar with Fiberdyne type product, uh, again, not what we do, but that's the other method to make a carbon block. It's through a vacuum slurry, sort of compression molding. But what we do is extrusion. So this allows us to basically take a, a carbon with different ingredients, so we can add some different things to our carbon blocks to kind of give it, you know, its magic fairy dust for metals removal, arsenic, things like that. And then we basically heat up a barrel and use a screw to push it through. And as it, you know, the heat soak and you really create a good tight carbon block that way. You can make them tighter, looser, as we explained, more carbon, less carbon. And then the custom ingredients, which is kind of cool. You, you have, you know, manufacturers that you contract to and they want, say, uh, arsenic, carbon lead blend or something like that and you'll put in their proprietary stuff and extrude this cartridge correct we're a total manufacturer right so you'll never see anything out on the market with our name on it but you know i can promise you if you've gone into you know your big box stores of you know home depot walmart you know you've probably seen our blocks in there it's just branded under somebody somebody else's name we can make any kind of custom formulation that you're trying to achieve you know, it might take some R&D to get there, but at the same time, that, that's what we do. So, you know, if you want to have a looser block, you know, you can use some larger carbon particles to loosen it up a little bit. You know, if you want to have a tighter one, you're going to use more fines. If you want to have, you know, these other claims that aren't typically associated with carbon, you know, there's different kinds of zeolites and, you know, additives that you can put into the carbon mix in order to be able to meet those claims as well. Mm. So... Carbon block versus a loose GAC cartridge. You get those cartridges that weigh nothing. They're plastic on the outside, and they literally have loose GAC poured into them. You know this. A carbon block's surface area versus a loose GAC, or what should I say, the grams or the, uh, the ounces of carbon in a carbon block far exceed what's in a loose GAC. I think it's really important to note, you know, based on particle size, right? Everything comes down to kinetics, particle size, anti-bed contact time, right? We're primarily using, let's say, our, our average particle sizes, you know, uh, our average product is like an 80 by 325 versus, you know, what you see in the GAC tanks is like a 12 by 40. And so if you look at the, the kinetics between it, we have roughly 15 times the kinetics as a 12 by 40. So what that tells you is I need about one fifteenth of the contact time that you would need if you were to fill that same cartridge with a 12 by 40. And that right there speaks volumes because that is the magic of carbon blocks. You know, capacity, capacity is going to be probably the same. You know, you might see a little bit of a benefit because you're pushing through a torturous path in, in the carbon. But I would say it's going to be probably negligible. 
but at the same time, the kinetics are going to be key. So, you know, to be able to reduce your footprint of a GAC tank to go to a carbon block by one fifteenth, that's pretty amazing. It is. But what you gain in kinetics, you can lose in flow rate, but it's it's a kind of not a good trade-off because it's in a whole different league is what you're saying with a block. A block may prematurely clog up, but then again, you should have good pre-filtration to your carbon block or your granular. I see people use granulars as a polisher on a third sump of a household RO, where you just have a a taste polisher because pretty much everything's been removed at that point, and you want to polish the distribution taste that the tubing or the tank, the storage tank can give you. So that's really, I think, for our listeners, where you would really use a granular cartridge versus a carbon block. It just doesn't make sense in this world, especially with me meeting you. And I know the the price differences in the granular versus the carbon block, we could get you a little more value there. So uh, with the carbon block, ultimately. You get what you pay for, right? Yep. So the fridge filters that we see everywhere, everybody buys these things. Are they granular? Are they carbon block? Can you debunk a little bit of the fridge filters without being, you know, getting in trouble? <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, we, we make some uh, fridge filters. Uh, the only thing we make is carbon blocks. We don't do any of the granulars. I have seen some granular fridge filters out there. Again, you know, it's such a low contact time that really you, you really need kinetics in a fridge filter, right? I mean, you're going to be flowing out. I would say average is probably about a half a gallon a minute. And those fridge filters are actually pretty tiny. You know, they're only, I would say, probably like a one and a half inch diameter by four inches long. So not a lot of product there. So even at a half a gallon a minute, you still need that contact time. So that's why I, w- I would always recommend to have a block. I have seen granular product out there, but it doesn't seem that it, it has the same traction as a carbon block. Carbon block's definitely the the more preferred option. Yeah, yeah. My next thing is the micron ratings. We, we touched a little bit on the string wound, but I see this all over the place. Nominal versus absolute. What is that? Can you explain that a little bit to us? The absolute rating is saying that you can remove 99.9% at that micron. So that that's what absolute is. In order to get an absolute filter, you really have to know what you're doing, right? Most of your filters out there are going to be nominal. And this is where the industry really struggles from a, you know, a perception standpoint. You know, We'll get filters in a, oh, this is a one micron. And then we test it and it's really like a 25 to 30 micron. And so I could give you one filter and I could call it a one micron nominal, five micron nominal, 20 micron nominal, 50 micron nominal. And all of it would be correct, right? Because I I could give you my shirt and say this is a one micron nominal filter, even though it's efficient at 1%. So really the question we really need to be asking is, okay, this is a one micron nominal filter at what efficiency? So that's going to be the key because really at the end of the day, you know, a one micron nominal, but it could only be, you know, 1% at one micron nominal. So buyer beware out there. But would NSF and WQA and IATMO, I mean, did they test, they they test for ingredients or they test for micron ratings also? I don't know. I'm just throwing that at you. 
they do have some micron rating testing. That's where you'll see the class one, class two, class three. I think it all goes all the way up to like class five particulate. So your class one particulate is going to be like your one micron filters. I apologize. I don't know what the other ones. I think class five is like 20 micron or something like that. But yeah, there are NSF tests out there to where you can actually say, hey, this is a class one particulate filter, which says you're removing down to one micron. But, you know, what you'll find in the filter business is not many people have an actual NSF certification for particulate. In fact, there's a whole lot of claims out there just in general on the filter market. And that's that's where we're trying to pave some roads. Gotcha. Yeah. Trying to educate like we're doing right now. So what makes a quality cartridge? That's a broad question, but indeed you would know because I've seen what you do and, and believe in what you do, but really what makes a quality cartridge differentiates everybody else? Yeah, I might be biased here, but you know I like the fact that we're making product here in the States, right? Are you all U.S. made product. From a quality cartridge standpoint, you know, we have to, to meet expectations, exceed expectations. So what we're trying to do when we're creating cartridges is, is set a new mark out there, right? So for PFOS, for instance, you know, we have PFOS filters that have been certified by NSF with our big filters for something, I believe it's 166,000 gallons for like a 40-inch long filter, which I haven't seen anybody else be able to touch for a 10-inch, like 43,000 gallons. You know, we're, we're trying to set new benchmarks. So, you know, whenever I, I think of quality cartridge, I'm thinking, hey, not only are we to meet expectations, but to exceed expectations and set a new industry standard, right? I mean, that that's kind of our goal. But we obviously have QA in place to make sure that everything that goes out the door is, you know, meets quality standards. My biggest thing would be that you're satisfied, Mike. So, you know, it, we absolutely have to meet your expectations. Gotcha. And then the quality of the ingredients, too. That's where the carbons come in and you source your carbons. It's just like the ingredients of any food-based product, whatever the ingredients in your cartridge is, you have to have the good stuff. Bingo. We use some very high-end materials, uh, you know, specifically for chloramine carbons. You know, we, we've talked through that a little bit. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, <laughs> crazy stuff. It's really cool. <laughs> Definitely, we try to hold that to a standard as well. You know, we definitely try to stay on top of the market and get the best products out there to make the best products. Cool. Well, I think we ran the gambit here. Uh, anything else to add to everybody when we finish up here to, you know, I, I appreciate your time, but uh, if you want to cap it off with anything, you can. No, I, I think that, you know, we covered a lot, you know, from the, to the sediment filtration so you know uh, thanks for having it yeah yeah well thank you for your time trust the frog everybody <laughs> thanks